millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Outspoken with White and Jordan. Hard-edged, hard-nosed, hard to beat. Where are you coming from in this one? Your 100% essential download. Jim White and Simon Jordan. You let this get out of control. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Hi, everybody. Thanks for downloading Outspoken, the podcast that brings you the very best of our daily talk sports show. Today's show got off to a somber start following the passing of the specials frontman, Terry Hall. Simon was sure to pay tribute to his boyhood hero. Elsewhere, we were joined in studio by former Charlton and Birmingham manager Lee Boyer. Stay tuned for his account of how it all ended at those two clubs and, of course, his take on that infamous on-field battle with Kieran Dyer. I think we had really good ideas and, and subject matter really and that helped a lot because of now our age there's like a sort of a voice of experience a bit like the stuff that we're talking about we've been through so it's like a reflection on our lives really and, and plus like how we still feel today and when it turns into a sort of political song we can look at it from a different angle when we were kids you looked at it from the angle like you're in it and you want to get out of it now, you can look at it and say, well, I've been through that. Ah, Terry Hall. Terry Hall. The special. Sad news. Sad start to the show today, Simon. Very. One of your mates. Yeah, you did so friend, much yeah. for them, the specials. Yeah. We'll hear about that in a moment. Uh, Terry Hall, frontman of the specials, iconic band. Terry died uh, yesterday, aged 63. And Simon, it wasn't that long ago, uh, it seems that you and I were in the company of Terry. Yeah, and Linville Golden. Yes. And Linville uh, yeah. And we were talking yeah. all about the specials round in the old building, the old Talksport office round at Hatfields in, uh, yeah, 2019. in Southwark here in this part of London. Sad news about Terry Hall. Yeah, very sad. Yeah, very sad. You know, I've known Terry for 20 years um, and um, he was my boyhood hero uh, when I grew up. Um, so they tell you not to meet your heroes, but he was the exception to that rule, categorically, because when I met him, I had these visions. I was this you know, 35-year-old football club owner that had the specials as my favourite band, and I had this vision that I wanted to reform them. Um, and fortunately for me at the time, my uh, one of my business partners in the restaurant group that I owned, his uh, 
girlfriend was Alan McGee, who owned Creation Records, which who were Oasis were signed to. Yeah. Um, was um, was very friendly, so they got me Ian Brody's telephone number, who was in the Lightning Seas. Ian Brody gave me Steve Blackwell, who was the manager of Terry Hall, and we'd just played Aston Villa in the Cup Palace, and Steve uh, Blackwell was an Aston Villa fan. So I said, look, I want to talk to you and I want to talk to Terry about putting this fabulous band back together. So Terry came and met me and we had this long conversation. And for three years, I moulded and sculpted and got involved with Neville Staple and John Bradbury and Jerry Dammers and all the various members of the band, um, Roddy Byers, um, to try and get them, and of course Linville, to play. And um, can you imagine, as a, as a 13, 14-year-old boy listening to their records... I mean, your bedroom with your mum telling you to turn it down because it was driving her insane. <laughs> and then on your 40th birthday, you get to introduce the, the specials playing their first ever concert or their first ever gig for me at my 40th birthday. And I got to do what most young boys would have done at that time was to open, to introduce the song Too Much Too Young. I got it wrong. And Terry was furious with me because you're <laughs> supposed to say uh, Too Much Too Young and then a drum salvo. And they weren't sitting on the stage at the time so they weren't ready to go and I think I was a little bit drunk and a little bit carried away with it <laughs> but they were wonderful wonderful talents and a really iconic band and I told them during the time when there was this big idea they hadn't spoken to one another for years they didn't want to play together various members of the band still still didn't want to um, but they didn't under everywhere I went when it first came out the newspapers wrote this headline too much too young because I was a young football club owner and trying to reform this band mm. I used to go around to the grounds we played Everton once and all the Everton fans were saying to me are you going to get those specials back together lad yeah. and I just remember yeah. and saying to them you've got no idea of how popular and how iconic and how meaningful the music that you had and how symptomatic of the time that it was and so they came and played this gig for me on my birthday and then they went out to Bestival and my friend Nick Moran who you've met introduced them onto Bestival no one knew they were coming to play and he talked about in 1979 when, when, when the country was in crisis, there were strikes going on, there was racism that was rife, and everything was going on, because it was a very multicultural band, very much of its time in terms of railing against the racism in the country. Yes, yes. And so he did his big salvo of introducing them to this, fact, this audience of, in 79, the, the country was in state, there were strikes, there was this going on, there was financial ruin, the country was rife with racism. Here we are 30 years later, not a lot's changed. I was going but to the say, specials are back. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah. you know, it was very, very sad. And Terry was a, I, I forgave him for it, but he was a massive Manchester United fan. <laughs> um, oh, I remember he spoke about Manchester yeah, United Man that United day he was in. Yeah. And yeah. I took him to the, because um, um, Man United played Millwall in the 2004 FA Cup final. And of course, Terry was a Man United fan. And Theo, my friend, owned Millwall. So I, Terry and I went to the FA Cup final. Theo Pafitas. Yeah, Theo Pafitas. Yeah. So he's a very sad, he was a fabulous, fabulous, fabulous fella. I haven't seen him. Last time I saw him, I took Michelle on my, 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 one of my first dates with her. I took her to, she didn't know who the specials were. And I took her to see them do their new album down at the, at the 100 Club on Oxford Street. And uh, she didn't quite get it. She got it when they played their new album. Yeah, he was. A, I remember him with you that yeah. day. He was a lovely fellow. He he he, he was Limbaugh, such a gentleman. They both, all of them are. Yeah, They're, you know they've lost they lost their drummer John Bradbury, who was a force of nature as a drummer a few years ago. And they were just a fabulous band, and it is a massive loss. It isn't, you know, Terry did the specials, he did the Funboy Three, he did Colourfield, he did Vegas, he did he did massive, you know, uh, collaborations with people like Lily Allen and so on and so forth. Yeah. Um, and and he was just a massive talent. It's a real. He's got a wonderful family, a lovely wife, Lindy, and it's very sad. You know, I've had a couple of things in my life recently. Someone remarkably close to me passed away recently, and of course now Terry this week. Mm. Um, so it's. It's very sad. He'll be missed by lots and lots of people. And you'll see, what you'll see is the outpourings of people that will understand um, how much he meant to the industry. But, I, you know, I get the, I, you know, I get to look back on it. You know, 19 years ago this month, 
I had this idea to get them back together. They got themselves back together, but I gave them half the reason, I suspect. Ah, uh, no, you're doing yourself a disservice here because I remember when he came in to Hatfields and they were they went to great lengths to say what how much they appreciated what you had done for them, Simon. That was obvious, I must say. Well, they were wonderful uh, talents. Terry was delightful they, to you and they, they, you they meant won- a lot to him. They were wonderful talents. Yeah. They were wonderful talents and a much... Un, but they're not underrated by those that know. You know, there's a new generation. I took one of my friend's sons who got to see them in, in concert about four, five, no, five, six years ago. And he was 15, 14 at the time, Hugo. And uh, he, he said to his dad, I love the specials. His dad went, we, we, you, you, Simon knows them. And so I took him to Long and it, it, the sheer unbridled joy that he had and the next generation of people that like that yes. kind of music. But what yeah. it was, it was just fabulous music. It was brilliant. I could go on telling you stories about those well, boys and their music forever. I do but... recall that day we were trying to tell Terry just how brilliant we thought the specials were and he was, and he was playing it down all the time. The specials uh, popped this out on Twitter last night. It's with great sadness that we announced the passing following a brief illness of Terry, our beautiful friend, brother, and one of the most brilliant singers, songwriters and lyricists this country has ever produced. Uh, thanks to everybody listening this morning at the start of the show. Obviously we're with you till one, but many people getting in touch this morning. Reese, thanks for that. Listening to Simon there talking about Terry and the specials. It's so heartwarming uh, the start to your show this morning. Uh, Today's a sad day, says Reese. My childhood hero has left us. You've got a great show, lads. Reese, thanks to you for that. Terry Hall, who died, he, he was age 63. Welcome to the Coliseum of Confrontation. Outspoken with White and Jordan. So, the World Cup's come and gone. We watched it, maybe on the BBC, maybe on ITV. We heard it. Every match was live on Talk Sport. That's how I preferred to get the coverage uh, when I came back to the UK. And now Simon Prime Minister Rishi Sunak has hit back at Gary Neville for airing his views about workers' rights in the UK while he was in World Cup final duty on Sunday for ITV. Uh, Before the game, he launched into it. Uh, Rishi Sunak was in Latvia. He said, I don't think that's right. If if you look back at our track record, my track record as Chancellor, I've always done everything I can to support our NHS and indeed the wonderful people who work in it. Right, that's one thing. Then he finishes off with, I think when most people are tuning in to watch Gary Neville, they want to hear about the football and watch the football. They don't want to discuss politics. Where is you, where is your mind this morning, Simon, with where Gary chose to stray into? Well, look, I mean, the argument gets made regularly that he's a footballer. He's not a footballer. He's a 47-year-old person now that was a former footballer that works within football. He's got various businesses and he's uh, got strong opinions. He's entitled to his views. And this categorisation of stick to the football because you're a footballer is probably wrong. But in this instance, the reasons why it's right is because we were watching a football show. And we were watching well, a game... a World Cup final, yeah. A World Cup final. So we really didn't need Gary, ironically, that's over there, being paid by BN, the broadcaster of Qatar, not saying this on their platform, but having the courage to say it whilst he's on ITV's platform. So there's an element of irony about his comparisons. You can't compare. It's, a, it's, a, it's an obscene comparison between some of the migrant workers' rights in the early stages of the change in Qatar from kafala mentality through to the workers' rights now that have now brought up to a standard that's satisfactory with the rights in this country. That's a horrendous comparison. It's a disingenuous one. It's a duplicitous one. And Gary's entitled to his political views. We know what they are. We know that he's a card-carrying, Corbynite, Trotskyist, nincompoop at times. But he is entitled to his views. 
And the fact he doesn't stand them up very well, and the fact that his views are based upon one vantage point, is for all of us to debate. And he can do it on different shows. When he went on to Have I Got News For You, he got his head handed to him, because that wasn't a football show. That was a show about societal mickey-taking and those observations, and he got called out for being a ridiculous a ridiculous hypocrite of railing against the Qatari World Cup, railing against the regimes over there, whilst going over there and taking the Qatari reals for working for BM. Well, I mean, he says we should detest poor accommodation and working conditions. We can never accept that in this region of Qatar or in any other region. And then goes on to talk about the situation in this country. Yeah. So basically he's saying we, we should get our own situation right first. Well, and, yes. and then maybe comment well, well, on what's going on well, elsewhere. Well, well, but, I'm not but sure that's what you're saying, that, is That it? might be right. But in the meantime, a, a World Cup final was about to kick off between Argentina and France. See, the tragedy of this, right, this is all grist to Gary Neville's elbow. <laughs> this is all about the idea that Gary Neville has some relevance in his opinion. And tragically, some people think he does. And we do spend time because he puts his head above the parapet. He's got a lot to say for himself. He's a barrack room lawyer. He had lots to say for himself to me in Qatar until we got my put in his place by me at the paddle tennis court when he was playing paddle with the people that he purports to vilify, i.e. the people that paid him to be over there. So he's a bleeding hypocrite. Are you right? surprised Sunak responded to it? I'm surprised that he would feel the necessity you're giving somebody credence. And, and Gary Neville is a very, very, very good football pundit. And when he talks about matters on the field, I think that he is uh, amongst the very best when it comes to other opinions, first of all, he's entitled to them. Second of all, they don't need to be on a football show. Third of all, if you're going to have these views about the regime and the environment that you're in as well, because you're bringing them into it, right? Why didn't you do it when you're on BN? Because it didn't suit you. You were getting paid half a million quid or whatever you're getting paid to be over there. Whatever the ridiculous sum when people weren't allowed to argue with you, apparently. Don't know about that. That's a different discussion. But the bottom line is, is I sort of sit here and I find myself guilty of this trap. I think he's a wally. Right? And I don't really care about him. And I get sucked into the conversation about what Gary Neville said. We could debunk Gary Neville's arguments in a New York minute. He wouldn't come on a show like this because he wouldn't be able to stand it up. And he wouldn't be able to defend himself against the ridiculous assertions that he makes because he can't back it up. He's all mouth and trousers. Right? He'll turn around and say, I think we should mobilise the fans when Man United fans are marauding around uh, Old Trafford, potentially putting people in harm's way. And then he has to backtrack from it. You know, there is an element of what Gary says at times that has relevance. That was not the time and place. No. Richie Sunik, you, you, you give these people the credibility, and we're doing it here by discussing what they've said. I couldn't care less what Gary Neville's opinion is. He's entitled to it. I certainly didn't turn on a World Cup to listen to it. No, exactly. I certainly didn't turn on a World Cup to listen to it from a hypocrite. But that's and also, thing, if you're going to get your facts, be across your facts. We do need to deal with issues in this country. But you were one of the leading voices going over there, telling them what they should be doing in the first place. So how are you now suggesting that we need to reverse back into what we should be doing over here? Make your bleeding mind up. The thing is, we'd, we'd just come out of a Sunday morning, no doubt, when this was given... Huge prominence, the situation yeah. in this country politically, the situation with industrial action, the si situation with uh, workers, quite rightly in my view, trying to get themselves a better deal. And I think that's but that right. was a Sunday morning. That's its Sunday yeah. morning yeah. menu. Yeah. And then you think, ah, I wonder who's going to win, Argentina or France? Yeah. Then you hear that. But I mean, Gary, I mean, we've discussed this before. Somebody somewhere, I don't know, I blame Sky for it. Somebody gave him a memo saying, everything you have to say, we're all keen to hear. And it's always right, Gary. Uh, and I don't think that's the case. I think some of it is absolute preposterous nonsense. And I pretty much told him that in Qatar. And, you know, I didn't really want to talk to him because he'd 
busy reciting the the the, uh, the mantle of Corbyn to various people. But the bottom line is, and we're going to stray into that territory, we're being guilty of it, aren't we, by talking about politics. That was not the time and place. You want to have those opinions and you want to be the mayor of Manchester and take over from Andy Burnham, off you go, son, you know, in your little socialist multimillionaire lifestyle that you have with your wealthy friends like Peter Lim that you get over, come over and run football clubs because you don't actually want to put your hand in near your own pocket and you want to have those views, that's fine. But not on a football show when people are tuning in to watch the World Cup. Well, you know, it's not the place. It's not the time. You're not having the courage to say these things when you're on the broadcaster of the country who bought and paid you to be there in the first place whilst you railed against them in England. And it's also not the time. And I'm disappointed that Richie Sunek felt the necessity to give it any gravitas. Well, I'm it was, ga- I think he was asked. Because I'm telling you now, what did that answer it? Say, who's Gary, Gary Neville? Right? The bottom line is, is that what you do is Gary Neville will be sitting again. These are triggers. I'm triggering the right people. I'm triggering the male. I'm triggering the conservatives because they're awful, evil, devilish people, right? And some people may hold that view and some people may not. But I don't really think that he's worthy of the opportunity of triggering people. Mm. I just think he's a Barrett Room lawyer with a lot to say for himself. And I'd welcome the opportunity to bring him in here so we can take his pants down and put him in his place. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Download, stand well back, listen. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. And here's another name for you. Former Birmingham and Charlton manager Lee Boyer is in our midst. Lee, good morning to you. Good you, morning, Jim. You made it. You're here. This will be a bit odd for you, is it not? Because you're free over Christmas and New Year. Normally, you'd be working. Yeah, normally. Uh, this is the first one I've had off for, for a few years now. Um enjoying it being having time with the family you know so um they're important times as well but uh yeah i'm, I'm looking forward to getting back to to what i enjoy now i remember going to see you at charlton on a number of occasions and i could see what the supporters thought of you in fact as i speak there's a message right there now jim say hi to lee from me i'm james i'm a charlton fan i want to i want him to tell me how he feels about what's happening to our club at the moment charlton in the doldrums in league one and would he consider returning as charlton manager well we'll maybe get to that in a moment but lee when you were at charlton you were doing well um 
you had success there of course in your first full season there promoted to the championship I was there you beat Sunderland 2-1 playoff final you couldn't get a seat that day at Wembley um, and you got them back up to the second tier of English football after three years away you were flying there so why did you leave? Uh, I left Jim because I felt that it was the right time um, I had people approach me on, on a number of occasions to to, to move on before that. Um, what, from other clubs? From, from other clubs, yeah. A variety yeah. of other clubs? Uh, yeah, yeah. In, in the Championship, I had two or three offers from the Championship to, to move to there. But at that time, Cholton as a club was, was in a bad way. Um, that was De Chatelet at the top, wasn't it? Yeah, and, and even after he moved on, and then, well, we all know... The, the craziness that was going oh, yeah, on yeah, at the that time. Matt Southall, didn't you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So the, it, we, it, it was crazy times, you know. So um, he was in the studio on one occasion as well, was he not? No, he came in. Did and remember, he, he came. We had that countdown moment where he couldn't answer a question because he didn't know what the finances of the football club that he was purporting to run. Yeah, remember yeah. that? Yeah. <laughs> so, so for for me, on the football side of it, I thought I, I couldn't walk away at that time. It would be the wrong thing to do. I, I'd got my opportunity there. Uh, Roland obviously gave me my opportunity. Got him promoted. I had good people around me. I, I still to this day, there's there's people that are working at the club from when I was a kid, coming through the ranks and and playing the groundsmen and and people at the stadium. So it was the wrong time to move on then. And and when Birmingham came around, another club that I had an association with uh, as a player, I just felt that the club was now in a better place, a, a good place. They had finances have finally had finances and yeah maybe I could have stayed because the, uh, Thomas to, to stay now he had money to put into Tom, the club. Danish American Thomas Sangard was yeah. in at this stage so he had big plans yeah but you were like no I'm out yeah because I, I felt to to go and help another club that that I was I, I'd played for to to keep him in their division and and that's what I done I thought it's a new challenge for me it's the right time to go was it hard to walk away from Charlton? Of course it was, because of all the memories and and and, and the things that we'd done to uh, for the football club. But some of the Charlton fans were accusing of a lack of loyalty at that time. Yeah, and and rightly so. Like, I can understand it. But when I left, when when I took over in in the beginning, when Carl Robinson moved on to to Oxford, the club was in about twelfth, fourteenth position. When I left, I think they was in maybe ninth, one win away from being in the top six again. And uh, the next game was against Bristol Rovers and Johnny Jackson took it and won 3-2. Then they was back in the top six. So I don't think I left them in a bad place. Um, Nonetheless, you thought it was the wrong idea, the, the wrong move. I did. For, for I, I did at the time. I mean, it's difficult for me to feign any interest in Charlton and what happens with them. <laughs> but at the time, I felt for the Charlton fans, you managed in the time probably, where it was at its most difficult. So it felt yeah. very strange. It's easy watching from the outside, isn't it? But it felt very strange for you to have taken the, the difficulties that Roland had put on your way because he managed that club and the PR relationship with the fans appallingly. He said the most ridiculous things. I'm not asking you to comment on it, but he did. Mm -hmm. right? Asking the Football League to buy it back off him was just bleeding absurd. Mm -hmm. And selling he was selling the club for nothing but the stadium for 30 million quid. It's one and the same thing, Roland. Um, and you manage your way through that. You manage your way through those, God knows, those guys that came in as well, the Southalls of the world. And then you've got some clear blue sky and you jump from that particular frying pan, which is no longer a frying pan, it's probably a stabilised, nice cooking apparatus, yeah. into the Birmingham situation. And I thought that was a bad move for you. And I think it's proven to be that, case, that way. 
I mean, you took your ta- you, you pay your money, you take your choices, don't you? Yeah. But the opportunity to have ta- strange one, Lee, because you managed through the hard the hard times at Cholton, and it was just about the blue sky was just about to come with Thomas. Yeah, and 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 I can see from the outside what it's like, but w- when you're at a club and it, it was comfortable for me, Simon, everything was. I had no reason to leave. Everything was so comfortable, but maybe too comfortable. You know, like I, I felt like, okay, I've. I've done what I can here now today, and and I can stay for the next five years. And what with Sangard, a new guy coming in, it wasn't your necessarily that might not have been the case, might it? He might have had his foot up your backside that De Chatelet didn't and Southall didn't because they were too busy either trying to get out of the football club or trying to get it for nothing. Yeah, but some people they they they're not realistic. They're not realistic in, in what they see going forward. And was that a concern for you that Sangard might have been no disrespect to Thomas because he comes in as a new owner I've been there and you you know you look at this you look at look for and go it's going to be this way and it's never going to be that way because you're going to learn some lessons along the way was it a concern for you that a new guy coming in with new aspirations and new ideals might have been a challenge for you I, I love a challenge yeah. that was the whole point of me going to Birmingham um, but it's I, a challenge it's a fool's errand yeah. <laughs> different discussion but, but I done what I said I would do yeah. so, so when I then went on to Birmingham I then I said I will keep him in a division yeah. against all the odds. Even you sat on, on on the show here and saying like they could pass one another way. Yeah, yeah, what, I did, what, yeah. what are yeah. you doing? Like everyone said to me, Lee, what are you doing? They're three points above the bottom three. The team below them has got four games in hand. There's mm-hmm. only ten games left. The team below has got fourteen games. You're gonna go down. And I thought, no, I'll galvanise this group and 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 I'll keep him in in the division. So that's what I done, and, did, and did I took that gamble. Did it motivate you? Yeah, but that, that's me as a person. Like, like I say, to you, that everything's about winning, and, and and if there's a challenge, then I'll 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 head it full on. Like that. That's me. I've always been that as a player, and and if I can help and 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 guide a group of people and keep them in the division, Birmingham's a massive club. I went to Wembley with them as well as a player, and. Um, they're a massive club and, and, and I felt for them because so I, no regrets Oli no, leaving no. Charlton when you did and going to Birmingham when you did no obviously people will say oh well, well you left Charlton and, and you shouldn't have done that but but for me like on my CV now I've kept a team in the division for two two seasons and against all the odds no, no one expected it to happen so for me now I can say yes I've had a promotion yes I've kept a team up that no one probably like give us a chance of staying up. So for me, I, I think it was the right move. Okay, I'm I'm not working at the moment, and people can say Simon just said, "Well, you're not working there," but I'd done what I set out to do. I kept Birmingham, another great club in that division, and um, I, I don't have no regrets for that. It's good to have no regrets, Simon, is it not? No, it's good a, to crack on to the next a, he's challenge. He's a big boy. He, he takes his choices. He made his views. And if he wanted to go to Birmingham, it's his gift to go to Birmingham. Yeah. My only question was at the time that he had Charlton coming out of the doldrums with a new owner, which had, comes with his own challenge. And it looked to me, not like Birmingham couldn't stay up, it looked like there was a possibility that one club that he was managing might go up and the other one that he was going to imagine going down. Yeah. And I thought that was a strange... But he knows the reasons why he went. And if it's balls out and having a go at the world... You get one life, don't you? The world's most dangerous download. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Okay, I'm going to go into it. I know you're well enough to ask you. So, here's Chris, and one of a number, but he's asking it in a different way. So you're at Newcastle, and you're playing in that game. (laughs) And you end up fighting with Kieran Dyer, who's on your side. Oh, oh, that game. 
That game. <laughs> Sooners was Have the manager. Been before? No, I've not been artist, no. So, what he's basically saying is, how would Lee, the manager, have handled Lee Boyer, the player, and Kieran Dyer, the player, on that day after what we saw? What happened, Lee? Yeah, a moment of madness, Jim. Obviously, people have opinions, and then it goes from one extreme to another. Everyone puts two pence in, two pence in, and then all of a sudden, me and Kieran hated each other, and... and but that wasn't the case. So what was the case? The case is, I think, from my You're playing perspective, in the same team. Playing in the same team. And like I've said on many occasions already today, is winning is everything to me. And and it, it hurts me when I lose. And um, we was losing 3-0 at the time. During that time... Me and Who were you Ke- playing? We were playing Aston Villa. Right. And, and, and Kieran was... Um, we was both competing in the same position. We are both similar players, want to get forward, score goals from midfield. And I felt at the time during the game that I was in goal-scoring positions, and, um, and 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 as simple as this is, I felt he could have passed me the ball. I could have maybe scored for the team, made the score different. So it happened on a few occasions through the game, and and I just was saying to him like, just just pass me the ball. What, what are you doing? And then obviously three 0 and it was right towards the end of the game. And then I, I, I said to him. Pass me the ball, obviously a little bit more <laughs> than that. <laughs> Please. And, and then, uh, and then he said something back, and then we ended up walking towards each other, and uh, and and the rest is history. But do, do I regret? Of course I do. Like no one wants to to, to do that, and especially in, in a big stage like that. But um, it's passion, you know. And sometimes did it carry it, on back in the dressing room? No, no, it didn't carry on in the dressing room. There was security fellas around, and um, obviously kept us apart, but. When we when we did get back into the dressing room and and the rest came in, obviously uh, Graham Soonis was manager at the time, <laughs> so you can imagine Graham Soonis um, wasn't too happy. But Al, Al like Shearer, the, the captain, he went mad as well um, because it wasn't just that game. Obviously, you don't think of these things, but we we ended up missing. We had Man United in the semi final, I think, of the FA Cup, and, and we both couldn't play in that. So, um, so yeah, uh, they they asked me to take the blame. Like the the club asked me to take the blame for it. Asked you to take the blame. Yeah, because then 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 Kieran could play in the game against Man United in the semi final, and I uh, I said okay, I'll, I'll take it. Um, Were you happy doing that? Well, if it could help Kieran play in the game, then it helps the team. Uh, like I keep coming back to winning is everything. I want the the team to do well. So um, you wouldn't think that after the actions that just happened, but, <laughs> but yeah. So I, I, I tried to, I, I tried to take the uh, the blame, but it, it didn't work. There's whoever was in charge, the FA or whatever, they said, no, 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 you're both culpable. You're both you're culpable. Both, yeah, yeah. I so. remember how soon as dealt with it. I think I spoke to him around that time, and he he paraded the two of you, yeah. did he not, in front of the media? Yeah. And do do a handshake and all that kind of thing. Did you go along with that willingly? Yeah, but again, we didn't speak straight away, me and Kieran, because obviously it's it's, it's not a nice scenario to to happen. Um, but since then, we we speak. Not long after that, we spoke. Um, well, I still see him now, and he, he, we we're still in touch. He, he's at Ipswich. Um, when I was uh, at Birmingham, he he would ring me about a player and ask him. Uh, to, from my views on, on, on the player that was at Birmingham at the time. So, uh, yeah, I've seen him at Ipswich when I was at Cholton. I'd go and watch Ipswich before we played him, bump into him, shake hands, 
as things. I have a little laugh about it, but <laughs> obviously, uh, yeah, not not a good moment, not 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 one of my proudest moments of of my career. But as a manager, happen. would you have handled it the same way as soon as handled it? Get the two of you together, crack your heads together in front of the media. Yeah, yeah, I think that was the right thing to do. I think um, to to put it all to bed. The sooner you put it to bed, the the, the quicker you can move on. So um, yeah, I think the the way Graham Graham handled it was was the right way. Yeah. Uh, now Newcastle are flying, are they not? Yeah. Uh, new ownership. I was up there recently, Lee, and I saw them before the World Cup. Obviously, I saw them beat uh, Villa convincingly, and then I saw them in the South Coast against Southampton, winning convincingly. And one wonders: he, this man and I had a bet on a charity bet uh, earlier on this season. I'm saying top six; they'll be top six. Do you go with me? Yeah, I, I say they they will stay in the top six. Yeah, I think, and 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 the way Eddie and and, and Jason have have done it, I think has has been very very good. I think the way they've spent the money wisely, they're not gone from crazy superstars because I'm guessing the money is there for them to do that. I think the way they say, right, this is a type of person, personality that we need at this club. Knowing Newcastle the way I do, you have to be a certain person to handle the pressures of up there because it is different pressures. 50,000, no matter what, what division, whether you're in the championship or in the premiership, they're there, 50,000, and they demand that you give everything for that shirt. So I think they've, they've, the players they've brought in have been very wise, good additions to the squad, improved them slowly but surely. And I think in, in the next few years, they, they will be a big force. But it's good to see that club moving in that direction. It's great if they can get back into Europe. Because when I was there, we was in Europe. We was playing in Europe. So if they can get back into into them sort of times, then, then that would be great. Going to be top six, boy. You're going to be handing me that money. Yeah, for the I know. I think, it's, I think it's a bad bet for me. Yeah. I, I didn't anticipate that other teams in the league would fall off quite as much. No. <laughs> no. Huge club, though, aren't they? And right. there is a special football yeah. club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Massive, massive. And, and and all they ask is a bit of flair, but just give everything. Walk off, crawl off that pitch. As long as you give them everything, that's all they ask. And um, which they're, is they're a fair enough deal. They're, they're good people up there. Yeah, I, I love my time there. Your 100% essential download, Outspoken with White and Jordan. Thanks for listening to Outspoken. Don't forget to leave a five-star review and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll be back tomorrow with former Liverpool midfielder Danny Murphy. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.